Welcome to Deep Talk, the podcast for advanced English learners who are looking to explore something a little bit deeper. Welcome to episode 31 of Deep Talk. Today we've got a beautiful conversation that I recorded a few weeks back with my guest Claire, all about the role that music has played in her life. Growing up in a musical family, it was inevitable that Claire would catch the music bug and she started learning to play the violin from a really young age. What wasn't guaranteed, however, was the lasting impact that music would have on her life, guiding her experiences of travel, job choices, people she's met, and a large part of her spare time spent playing folk music in Nice, where she now lives. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Here we go. Hi Claire, welcome to Deep Talk. Hi Rhiannon, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, Before we get started with today's conversation, would you mind introducing yourself to the listeners? Yeah, so uh, I'm Claire. I live in Nice at the moment. I've been here for nearly 10 years now. And although my main activity is teaching English, which I do mostly online nowadays, um, I also play the violin and music is a kind of very important part of of my daily life. Uh, I'm originally from Suffolk in England and basically through kind of my musical studies and, and music in general, I've actually lived in a lot of different places. So <clears throat> my studies took me to York, London, Limerick, and from there I ended up in Prague in the Czech Republic. Wow. And then I ended up back in London for quite a long time uh, where I worked at the Guildhall School of Music and Drama Mm-hmm. and the Barbican Centre. Um, that was also in kind of arts education more generally. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, about nine years ago, I moved with my partner to Nice, where I have stayed since. <laughs> Incredible. Excellent. So as you've mentioned there, music is a huge part of your life. And I understand that started in your childhood. Your family are very musical. Can you tell us a little bit about growing up with music? Yes, no, it was, uh, I think, I feel like I had a very privileged sort of mm. upbringing. Um, yeah, all my family pretty much are musicians. Um, my my mum and dad both were music teachers and played a lot. They, my mum actually founded a, an amateur orchestra locally. Oh, wow. Um, and my stepdad was a quite well-known classical musician. He He was the leader of several London orchestras um in his day (laughs) and uh and because of that um I was able to go and see lots of uh performances lots of concerts we lived near Snape Maltings which is a beautiful concert hall in Suffolk uh where Benjamin Britten and Peter Pears kind of started a music festival but also, I think another really important thing for me was my my dad had this amazing collection of records, you know, vinyl. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, we would, you know, when I was a little child, he 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 had a quite an eclectic sort of mix of tastes. Mm-hmm. So as well as classical music, there was loads of jazz, kind of quite early jazz. Um, 
and and some sort of quite random <laughs> recordings. I, I won't go into them, but we would he would put on a record. And I just remember the whole, all three of us, me and my brother and sister with my yeah. dad would all be just going absolutely crazy and, you know, just dancing with complete abandonment. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's a really, yeah, I think that um, was a really important also sort of looking back at just that, attachment to music and how it can just you can just be completely part of it without needing to study or learn about it you just let let yourself go and be be into the music so that's really interesting because I think there's often a stereotype particularly maybe in movies that the you know the child who studies violin from a young age is sort of forced into it by their parents and there's an almost a punitive element of like you must study you need to pass that grade you need to do that concert but it sounds to me like you had both the education and the you know the cultivation of your talent but also this real enjoyment of the music yeah no it was very kind of yeah definitely the the two sides of it and although for sure I started quite young and I think when I first started the violin I didn't it wasn't like a a choice on my part it was just like that just happened you know and I think the same with my brother and sister we all learnt instruments from quite an early age um um and I think it it wasn't always easy you know it's quite Mm. especially the violin it's such a difficult instrument Mm -hmm. to start on you know so so sort of a difficult to find a nice sound it takes a long time several okay, years yeah. to kind of get to a point where you can actually enjoy the sound you make <laughs> <So>. <laughs> it sounds like more punishment for the family around you than <laughs> yeah. for you perhaps <laughs> absolutely at least we were all in it together you know <laughs> um yeah and and I think the other thing I really think about when I was a child was the also the travel because because of my stepfather in particular he he actually took us one time he was coaching on a on a youth orchestra mm. and it was my very first trip outside of britain really and uh, we went to sicily and it was just incredible it was just the most amazing experience because not only were we in this totally beautiful place with a beach and the clear blue mm. mediterranean but we were surrounded by like a hundred sort of 20 year old young musicians who were all full of life and crazy and doing funny things and make you know it was just like a kind of circus but you know in a holiday a beautiful hotel with a swimming pool and all that so I think that that definitely kind of left its mark on me as I thought yeah being a musician that's that must be a good thing (laughs) (laughs) so your upbringing was in classical music I'm curious Mm -hmm. you've talked about the violin did you ever study at a young age any other instruments or was it 100% violin yeah no I I also we um I studied the piano um mm-hmm. and uh, I never <laughs> didn't get very far I actually had okay. one of a rather difficult um teacher she was very old okay. and and she <laughs> she slightly put the fear of god into me and um <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of dreaded the lessons and so that you know as soon as I was able to stop I did which right. is a bit of a shame because I think it, it's great to have an instrument like the piano but Mm. my other big sort of childhood joy was the Beatles I I had a kind of obsessional (laughs) kind of (laughs) interest in in the Beatles um in my early teens right through to my well you could say it's it's still there (laughs) it's still there yeah 
Um, but as a result, I started teaching myself. We had a very old battered guitar. Um, wow. So I started teaching myself to play Beatles songs and on the piano as well. So, um, yeah, that kind of has remained with me. Mm-hmm. I've got some friends who, I mean, I've never been musical in, in the instrument sense. I enjoy singing kind of mm-hmm. in my kitchen at home, maybe with my family, but not in, well, in public in a karaoke context, but not in a performance context. Um, but I've never been musical and I'm so jealous of the people who can just like pick up an instrument I've got some friends who don't even play piano in any kind of impressive sense but can just kind of handle some chords and then it's Christmas time and we're at a friend's house and there's a roaring fire and they like just pick out some chords and we sing some Christmas songs and I'm like oh I wish I had the talent to just be like guys let's have a sing song with chords <laughs> rather than <laughs> yeah. just a sing song <laughs> yeah I, and actually I mean that that is a lovely thing that ability just to and I I think there was a big thing when I was in London actually and I got quite heavily involved that suddenly the ukulele came in on the scene oh were yeah you, did you kind of were you aware Maybe at of the that? end of end of the ukulele vibe yeah <laughs> but what what was really lovely was I mean the ukulele is a great instrument to start out on because it's only got four strings it's small mm-hmm. you can buy them very cheap and it's relatively easy to learn your three chords and for a lot of songs three chords is all you need so yeah. um but it was lovely because suddenly all these groups sprang up and in London there was this pub near Charing Cross and every Wednesday night was ukulele night this basement would be full of like you know 50 people all with their ukuleles just (laughs) singing all the favorite old songs at the top of the voices and it was just so fantastic I I kind of yeah that was definitely a really important part and I, I ended up going on a a ukulele summer camping festival in Suffolk wow (laughs) um which was just brilliant there's so many um so much (laughs) just yeah I mean it's it is yeah it for some people it was actually more about just acquiring ukuleles so there were people who have you know collections of in you know tens of ukuleles um and then for others they just wanted to join in and be able to sing along and and yeah it's a fantastic instrument for that just for children for adults for everyone you then got into folk music and it's folk music now that is the majority of what you play Tell us how that happened. How did you make that move from classical to folk? Yeah, it's an interesting one because, yeah, as as, as I said, I, I grew up studying classical music um, and I was aware of folk music and I really loved folk music. Mm-hmm. But at that time, it wasn't so easy to get your hands on recordings of, right. you know, it, I was when I was young, it was pre-internet. And, uh, <laughs> and so... Yeah, I did. I I wasn't able, and with folk music, it's really key that you can listen to it. You, it's an oral tradition, so um, folk musicians learn by ear. They don't necessarily read music, although mm. I think nowadays a lot of them do as well. Um, but it's one of these things where I was kind of aware that with folk music, it, you sort of grow up with it. It's part right. of your 
background and I sort of felt, well, I'm I'm English and I, <laughs> I love Irish music. I love Scottish music, but I'm English. So, you know, yeah. therefore I'm just going to have to, you know, appreciate it from afar. But that kind of changed. So, well, first of all, I actually ended up doing uh, my studies for one year. I did an MA in classical music in Limerick in the west of Ireland. Wow. And it was um it was a very intense kind of um training. I was just playing, that's all I did all day, six hours practice. And, oh my gosh. But then around us were all these because there was a as well as a classical music MA, there was also a traditional music MA. So, you know, you'd be in a practice room and suddenly you'd have, I don't know, the the accordion or a violin or a flute playing all these tunes mm. so I think somehow I I must have it must have osmosed into my <laughs> into my skin I don't know but I think that the the moment where it kind of became possible for me to just actually get into playing was when I was working at the Guildhall and mm. I was organizing all these different kind of music projects with students but it was kind of what we called in the past outreach so you were kind of getting okay. students to work in hospitals or play you know do kind of play to, to patients in hospitals or going out to schools and putting right. on big performances um, and one of the things that happened then was I was introduced to Paloma Trigas and Joe okay. Broughton who are fantastic violin players and they they've got a band called the Urban Folk Quartet and they wanted to start a big folk band in the Guildhall, which, you know, the Guildhall is really a very much classical music okay. um, focus. They do have jazz and, and there's drama, but classical music is the sort of main thing that it's associated with. Um, but they started this folk band and I was, I was organizing it, but I, at that point I was, I had my ukulele and I said, Oh, you know, can I just play my ukulele in the band? And they're like, oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the ukulele is the small, quietest instrument. And we had, <laughs> you know, trombones and djembes okay. and loads of violins. And, you know, it was a big band, about 12 to I think the maximum we had was about 25 at one point. Oh, my God. So, so I, I wasn't really heard, but I was able just to feel part of it anyway. <laughs> so that was where I kind of and I think, you know, Joe and Paloma really because Paloma also was uh, classically trained but they sort of mm. said well look this music is just for enjoying and for you know if you want to play um then just play it and and so that was a fantastic kind of experience working with them and what were the challenges on a I guess a technical level you've spoken a little bit about that social challenge of being English and not just English but kind of home counties English yeah, <laughs> where, yeah. where potentially there's a kind of social pressure that like does this music belong to me am I allowed socially to mm. participate in this what about the technical side of things you were classically trained what are the big differences yeah so this is uh, that was also a big sort of learning curve with mm. uh you know when you when you train as a classical musician, you you learn to read music. You have okay. to read music to play classical, um, and you interpret the music that you read. Um, whereas with folk music, it's as I said, an oral tradition. So mm. you listen to other musicians or to recordings of other musicians, and you you learn just by listening. And it's a very different way of experiencing music. And mm. um, it took me a long time to kind of get 
quick at learning you know to start with it would take weeks to learn one simple tune <laughs> um and this was you know i think also this was joe and paloma sort of helped with this process they'd sort of break down the tune into little chunks and you'd learn a couple of bars a couple of measures and then move on um but now you know when i want to learn a new tune it it can just take a, a day or so it takes a okay. lot of re repetition you have to keep repeating until it it you don't almost don't have to think about the notes you're just in the tune kind of thing mm. and um, how much of folk music because I've been I live in Scotland and there are folk bars here and as I say I don't have any musical training at mm. all I think I did mm -hmm. three recorder lessons in primary school but that's the extent of my training so yeah. I'm going to these folk bars completely as an observer I'm just listening and from the outside it seems really improvised like there if there's if they're singing they'll be singing a song and they all know the song so there's a sense that there are kind of the big tunes that everyone can kind of get in on but it seems improvised to what extent is it and to what extent is it everybody just having a really deep knowledge of the music that can be played yeah in fact yeah it is more the knowledge I mean that I think in terms of the actual tunes um you with these, uh, we call them sessions. So when you have yeah. a group of mus musicians who meet in the pub um, mm -hmm. and there's normally somebody who kind of leads it, who's sort of, uh, but you know, there may be more than one person, but people who say, right, we'll play this tune or they'll just start playing the tune and then other people will recognize it and start to join if if they know it. Wow. But but if you don't know it you're not supposed to join in basically some Okay, you're not supposed is... to kind of riff off it or like kind of go, "Oh, I think I could do this." Well, not yeah, I think in a lot of a lot of these <laughs> sessions there are the they, they do tend to have their own kind of rules and regulations that you mm. you have to abide by otherwise you can get into trouble. Um <laughs> But in terms of improvising, I think what the way that happens in folk music is more on the kind of ornamentation. So right. the little kind of decorations um, and also, you know, because it's an oral tradition, we don't all play the tune in the same way. People, if you listen to the same tune played by different folk musicians, mm. it's off, there's some quite big differences. So when everyone's playing together, there can be these little clashes where suddenly you you know you're not playing the same notes so it sounds but then it comes back together um so i think yeah the improvisation is is more kind of to do with how you learn it and and the, the way you like to play so people have different styles of playing as well which is a really important thing to um you know when you're when you're learning to play um, I mean, I mean, in the past, you would have learned probably just from either somebody in your family or in in the village or in the you know in the local area. Yeah. However, now um, you can access all these recordings, and so you know, for me, I'm I'm listening to people like Martin Hayes, this fantastic Irish fiddler, but Kevin Burke is another one. But if you listen to them, they play in very different ways, and I think even to an untrained listener somebody who's never played before you would pick up on the difference in how they play and this might be an easy question or a very difficult question I don't I don't know but what are the characteristics of folk music what distinguishes folk music from another genre of music well 
I think it's, I mean, I think definitely the oral tradition. So okay. if you broadly put into categories that are maybe the most familiar, well, you know, we have popular music, which is is not entirely, so it's often song-based mm-hmm. and basically the, there's a composer, there's somebody who writes the song and then the band or the, whoever it is performs the song. Um, and this can be, you know, quite often used for for dancing for having a good time Mm -hmm. there's classical music which is let's say a little bit more cerebral perhaps where Mm -hmm. you're you go to a concert or it's a generally a longer sort of symphony or a quartet you know Mm -hmm. maybe you're looking at 40 minutes up to an hour and a half depending on what kind of or even four hours if it's a Wagner opera (laughs) um and with folk music um as I said, it's an oral tradition. And I think it it basically, probably going back to the earliest kind of folk music, it would have been to kind of have a party. And in fact, I only recently discovered, so people often ask me the question, what's the difference between a violin and a fiddle? Good question. Um, which is, <laughs> in fact, they are one and the same thing. It's in terms of it's a violin is a fiddle and a fiddle is a violin, but it, it's an expression where violin comes more from the tra- traditional, mm-hmm. um, violin comes more from the traditional um, classical music and fiddle comes more from the folk music. So, okay. um, but I found out recently that the fiddle comes from possibly a Latin word, vitula, which means celebrate or joyful. Oh, wow. Um, and I think it was because the fiddle would come out when there was a celebration. Um, and, you know, at that time, you didn't have a, a sort of playlist and Spotify. You just, you'd have <laughs> a bloke with a violin and that would be your dance band or there might be some other yeah. instruments as well. So, so folk really comes from this sort of communal you know, being part of uh, whether it's a celebration or just in the pub or, um, and it's really for the people, you know, it's, um, mm-hmm. um, and it, yeah, I think there's something, I think what really appealed to me when I was studying classical music was seeing, you know, when being in the pub in Ireland and a, a band would start playing, a group of folk musicians started playing and, and people just start spontaneously get up and dance and, Um, And I thought, that's great. I'd love to be able to experience that. Um, And yeah, when it it has happened a a few times when I've played and it's always a lovely thing to see. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. A a slight change of tack just before we sort of draw this conversation to a close. But I mean, from listening to you talk about music, it's clear that you love it and it's been a huge part of your life. If you were to sort of step back a little bit and assess the impact that it's had what has music given you oh wow yeah that's a good question um I think when I think about the fact that I'm in Nice you know mm. I was born in Suffolk and I could have easily just stayed in England but my yeah. um I think I think my kind of introduction to traveling was very much inspired by um music and my stepfather who as a younger musician would tour all over the world and he had mm-hmm. as an Irishman as well he had all these stories some of them I think were slightly embellished let's say <laughs> but you know he 
he absolutely encouraged us all uh, to to kind of go out and explore. And I think music is a great way of experiencing different places. Um, mm. And I was very lucky to be on tours with youth youth orchestras and things like that. Um, so yeah, definitely the feeling of of going out and also socially as well. I think um, you know having music always as something a part of what I'm doing. So even though now I'm teaching English, I have another kind of part of what I do, which is enjoying um, playing with other people and meeting other people through music. Mm. And I think those that sort of feeling of sharing something which is very particular in music and it can be extremely uplifting and and yeah I think some of the my sort of most incredibly happy and uplifting memories are from live music whether I was playing or at a a concert and yeah those are the memories that will stay with me forever I think that's amazing yeah I think there is something so communal about music or there can be um even if you're just listening to it by yourself you know we've all been a kind of a moody teenager with that song that just speaks to you and you feel like you're not alone even though you're physically alone in your room with your headphones on and I think I I mean I'm not religious but I briefly I studied theology so I knew lots and lots of religious people when I was uh, in my early 20s and I briefly went to church and I don't miss the church bit I don't miss the religion but I really miss the singing I miss the music I miss coming together once a week in a room with maybe a hundred other people in it and just singing the same song like singing from the same hymn sheet you know that's an expression in English to talk about being in the same direction and and I just think there's something really beautiful about music and its power to bring people together. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it does have an amazing power as uh, bringing people together, as you said, and uh, yeah, a fantastic kind of way of being part of something and experiencing something together. Mm -hmm. So yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Claire, for this, this topic and this conversation. It's been absolutely fascinating. Before we go, I know you have a website not to do with music, but to do with uh, English resources. Could you quickly tell our listeners a little bit about that? Yeah, so my English um, teaching website is called Express Yourself in English. Mm. And um, it's basically, I, I teach online. So I, you know, if anyone is looking for English lessons, um, you can contact me via that website. But also there are there is a resources page where you'll find quite a few intermediate and above level resources for English learners, which are free to download. So go and have a look. <laughs> Fantastic. That sounds amazing. All right. Thank you again, Claire. My pleasure. Thank you. My thanks again to Claire for that lovely chat. I hope you enjoyed it as well. Get in touch on social media or by email to let me know your thoughts. Remember as well that you are always invited to join Deep Talkers. It's £5 a month to be part of the gang and we'll be meeting in the third week of July for our monthly get together to chat about the podcast. Oh, and one more thing. On July 14th and 15th, there is a wonderful free digital retreat 
called Relax Into Your English that I would love to invite you to. This is a free two-day online event for curious learners who want to relax into their English by exploring practical and mindful ways to grow in language confidence. It is right up my street. I'll be running a workshop on the Friday, the first workshop called Mindset Makeover, Navigating Negative Thoughts with Confidence. In it, you'll learn to identify the negative thoughts that are stopping you from enjoying English to the fullest and discover strategies to reduce their impact. You'll gain awareness, perspective, and a new way of thinking about your language. I'm looking forward to it. And even if that doesn't float your boat, there are eight other incredible teachers and coaches delivering workshops. So go and check it out. I've popped a link right at the top of the show notes today. Also in the show notes are the links Claire shared with us to her website and a bunch of music, some of the groups she plays in and others that she simply recommends you take a look at. I really think you should because you get a real flavor of what Claire has been talking about for this past 25, 30 minutes. Okay, that's all from me for now. I'll see you in two weeks time for episode 32. For now though, I've been Rhiannon. This has been Deep Talk. Have a wonderful day. Thank you.